Well, hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to the Escapod device. Okay. Uh, sorry we missed hey. last week. I was okay. sick and couldn't talk. Yeah. Like, straight up, I could not talk. It was bad. Oh, yeah. It was, I was really, I was like, oh, honey. Yeah. Yeah. This dragon had no voice, and of course, we wouldn't really want to break up a three-part episode, not that we had bonus material lined up anyway, so, you know, hey. could have come up with something. Again, I didn't want to interrupt the three-part episode. Also, life happens. But, man. (laughs) Anyway. We're back. uh, Yes. I I am the resident dragon. I'm Natalie. And join me, as always, is, you heard their voices, Dr. Gemstone. Hi, uh, M. Cow, here to talk about fun books. And Sable. Is me, Sable. I'm a red panda. Wah. Christ. <laughs> oh my god. Christ, love. <laughs> shit, Lord. She is really uh, cute, y'all. Oh my god. It's, it's missed for the audio format, but I did like a little pause thing. <laughs> Horrible, such a fucking gremlin, and you're so goddamn cute. Uh, I think I felt my dad. Oh no, uh, I'm that so sweet. Dude. Anyway, uh, welcome back happens. to yes. I say this is what happens when you get me started watching My Little Pony. It's your fault. How is it my fault? I don't know. I'm not the one who made you start watching it. <laughs> Hey, everypony! <laughs> Wrong podcast. Ah. This is not a My Little Pony podcast. No. It's not yet. <laughs> oh, no, Moo, that's for bonus content. That was oh, for bonus God. episodes. All right. I know I've told you about that fanfic. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. Don't worry. That'll be something we address. It will that will be that is That is bonus content. That is bonus episodes that we could do when one of us is out sick. We'll get around to doing it. We'll we'll have extra content. We'll get there. I want I wanna I wanna draw axe in the in the My Little Pony art style. Oh that would be so fucking cute. <laughs> okay, we should get on topic. Anyway, hi, See? yes. We're <laughs> speaking we're of axe. Finally do uh part three of our Andalite Chronicles. Uh, and we're doing part three. Uh, who remembers what part three is called? I don't remember. Alien part dies. Right, thank you. As it's subtly named. Yeah, who'd have thunk? There it is. But yeah. The whole thing is, there's a lot of aliens involved here. We got got Subvisor, uh, I'm sorry, now Subvisor 7, who is now Visor 32. We have, we have our Prince Elfangor, and we have Lauren, there's a lot of aliens. Lauren the human. Yes. Yeah. Last we left them, uh, we were on board the Jahar uh, with Elfangor, Lauren, and Chapman uh, being boarded by Visser 32 and his little squadron of fighters. Um, And Elfangor made a desperate move and shot the blade ship point blank as they were boarding. Totally dislodging it, but also opening up the ship to the void outside, and they are losing oxygen rapidly. 
real big Astarte shooting that weird mysterious orb energy there. <laughs> but yeah, they were on this ship and basically Elfangor was basically ready to die and yeah. like Mr. 32's gone. We, this is what we had to do because we can't let time <clears throat> you know, cause yeah. it. Um, but yeah, so that's where we left off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're in a spaceship with no air, with no oxygen. Yeah. Um, because basically the hatch is just open from where that, yeah. that boarding the door, yeah, was, yeah. Also, I have to note as a physician, you have about 10 to 15 seconds of conscience. Once you're exposed to hard vacuum. Uh, so, like, the events that happen here happen pretty rapidly, but a lot kind of goes on really quick before it gets that back because we're basically Axe is there. Not Axe, sure. I apologize. No, it's okay. Prince Elfangor. Um, Axe's older brother. Axe's older brother. Mr. 32 is basically floating helplessly, unable to touch anything, so he's kind of stuck. And Lauren is unconscious, and their gravity drive is gone. But, before he could really give up, Elfangor says he really, really thought to himself before he passed out in this short period of time, realized he couldn't take away Lauren's hope. He had promised to get her back to Earth and get her out of there. Yeah. He didn't let Arbron do it to her, and he can't do it to her now. So, Tries to get the pressure back on. Like, emergency bulkheads appear to field no air. Reaches, misses. But Lauren, in the last few bits of her consciousness, gets that valve turn. No, she pushes him and then he gets it. Oh. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Push. But yes. Uh, so they get air. So they can breathe again. But they have no power. Yeah. So they're still just kind of floating around. Um, yep. No gravity. No ability to move the ship. Well, no, the ship is moving because it's uh, getting pulled towards a black hole. Yep. That uh, energy sucking asteroid still attached to the ship and just pulling everything out. And it, it's looking pretty uh, fucking hopeless for them. Yep. The. Uh... Yeah, and clearly, like, as much as there's a temptation to do it, fighting is not going to solve anything. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually Visser 32 that suggests the idea that they work together and go outside and retrieve the time matrix so they can use that to escape. Because the alternative is just fight and wait to get sucked into a black hole and die anyway. Yep. From a tactical standpoint, Still Visser 32, who later goes on to become Visser 3. So that's a big deal. But also, he you doesn't know. know at this point in the story, he doesn't know. Okay. He didn't know that at the time. Yeah. Fair. And he this wanted some to... Visser that got bumped up. He wanted to make Lauren get. he wanted to get Lauren back home. Our our dear sweet uh our dear sweet alien centaur boy was in love with the human. 
Yeah. Well, fortunately, the ship is equipped with emergency air hood, providing about five minutes of emergency app. Um, so they tie the hoods on Chapman, Lauren, uh, Vista 32, and Elfanger, and they head outside. Well, specifically, Elfangor heads outside with kind of like cabling that they repurposed from the ship. Yeah, and he just a bunch of electrical cabling, yeah. Yeah. Um, Visitor 32 had some doubts about just sending him out there to get it. He said, you know, why should I trust you to go retrieve the time matrix? What, like, what guarantee is there that you won't just activate the device as soon as you get it and just leave me behind? Yeah. Um, to which he replies, you know, I'm not going to not going to bail on Lauren, and you can check Aloran's mind and get confirmation on that, which... Yeah. He does. Yeah. If anything says how obvious Elfengar's feelings towards Lauren are. Yeah. Um, but, anyway, uh, gets outside, tethered to the ship, and uh, starts looking around for the, the time matrix. Uh, thankfully, it's kind of wedged between the engine pylons, so it's not really at any risk of like getting dislodged and getting separated from the ship. So he goes over to it, and keep in mind, it's about, I, I think the description said it was like a 10-foot diameter spherical object. Um, in any case, it's something that would be hard for him to really like wrap his arms around and just hold. So he kind of like undoes the cabling that's around him, wraps it around the time matrix, and then gives the signal for Visser 32 to pull him back in. So he's kind of just riding the time matrix, but he's not really tethered himself, uh, which is scary. Yeah. Additionally, the protective uh, gear is only really air hoods. There's no pressure suit. Now, fortunately... You know, our skin does a good job of resisting decompression when you're completely exposed to hard vacuum. I mean, skin tight, even if you were to swell, it would stuff in. But the issue is, is that because you don't have that pressure on a lot of your body, things start to happen rapidly. The exposed mucosa, not a big deal there, would start to get boiling off fluid. But even more, the bend little gas bubble expanding in the bloodstream. The Lauren, as Delfanger brings it back in, as her body, as a human body, is already starting to feel those bubbles forming in the joints, hurting, because even with oxygen, no pressure means you're going to have some issues. It's worth pointing out, too, that uh, the air hoods are all designed for andalites. And Presumably, there's a, at the very least, a different mixture of oxygen, nitrogen, and the other stuff that makes up air um, than what, what it is on Earth. So that's also not totally agreeing with her. Starts to display cyanosis as they get the time matrix back in, turning blue. As the two Andalite bodies, Elfangor and the possessed Aloran, possessed by Zvis for 32, look at the, at the time matrix for, for them. 
Yeah, the other thing that occurs to me as we're talking about the function of these uh, oxygen hoods is that like we've already established that andalites can like eat and drink through their hooves. So yeah. how are you accounting for that by just putting a, an oxygen hood on your head? Because yeah. it's only breathing, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would... What? Not that having the <laughs> saliva boil off your tongue feels good, but Imagine that happening in all your. That's, I... that's a weird thought. No, <laughs> yeah. I don't need to think about weird feet things. Apologies. I'm moving on. Thank you. So, when they get it inside, Lauren, Mr. Three, and Elfang are all touch the device. Yeah, there's kind of a brief power struggle for it because obviously yeah. Mr. 32 wants to use it for his own benefit but that would probably spell the end of everything uh, for the Alfanger animal wants, and the human yeah. Alfanger wants to do it his way and Lauren just wants to go home yeah although it's worth noting that her willpower in this three way struggle is a lot more uh a lot stronger than Visser 32 would have expected. Kind of visibly jerks back as, as she also reaches her hand out to it and exerts well, her will yeah. on it. I mean, I, I would argue that makes more sense. Yeah. Because, like, she doesn't... The others who have, like, a big lofty goal that they want to do, they both want to win the war and not ha and prevent all of that that from happening. She doesn't give a shit about any of that. Yeah. She's like what, like sixteen or something? I believe so. About yeah. that age. She's she's still a kid. Yeah. She just wants to fucking go home. Yeah. She's scared in a place that is so far beyond anything she's ever even thought about, she's just utterly terrified and has been operating under that since the beginning. Yeah. So yeah, she just wants to go home. Yeah. Go home. See your mom. Play some softball. It's normal, normal, normal kid stuff. Yeah, she wants to go back and be a normal goddamn teenager. <laughs> but also has a crush on Mr. Alien Horseboy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, look at him on the cover. He is... He is not unattractive. I mean, for fact. He is, he is kind of ripped. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I'd, look, I'd look chocolate sauce off those abs. Woo! <laughs> That that would be a mess with the fur, though. Ah. <laughs> ah. Uh, uh, anyway, so interesting things happen as they all kind of activate the time matrix at once. Um, it's an interesting kind of like fractal, fragmented view of like matter and like visualizations of timelines and 
views of internal anatomy and like even ability to see thought. Um, it's an interesting part where Elfangor can see Alaran's brain with Visser 32, the, the, the Yerk slug sitting on it, yep. kind of manipulating his thoughts and reading his memories. And like he feels Alaran's rage, like he can see it being manipulated and controlled. And, yeah, the different timelines between the slug and Alaran and then where they where they combine and then later on. Yeah. Helping or even Alaran's past make the decision to use the quantum virus. And then he fills the will of Visser 32 and sees his world and the Yurks trying to take them to the Yurk home world. Like the idea that Visser 32 is like pull, pulling towards the home world. So Elfangor counters this by focusing on his own world. But his thoughts drift. He begins to give her. It doesn't look good for a moment. Visser 32 seems to be getting the upper hand, but Lauren pushes her will as well and pushes back Visser 32. And she's able to get control and push her own desires by Matrix. And then, before everything blacked out and disappeared, the last memory Elfangor had is that he saw someone vast, incredible being that saw them all and laughed. Yep. Which I am not going to spoil who or what that is. We, I mean, it'll come up later. Kind of, yeah. We'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. So, Elfin go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. Sometimes those pause. Um. So Elfengar wakes up on what seems to be the Andalite homeworld. Um. He immediately recognizes uh, a Theron tree, uh, specifically his own personal guide tree, uh, known as Gariba. Um, which, you know, obviously it's a tree and it can't really talk to him, but the kind of point is that it's something that he seeks comfort in that guides him. So he tells the tree everything that's been happened to him and just kind of vents all of the emotion and trauma that he's been going through up until this point. Everything that failed on the mission, every terrible thing that's happened, just lets it all out. Um, and when he kind of has himself composed again, he starts looking around, uh, recognizes his family scoop, which is kind of a little clearing settlement specifically for his family. Um, and really in this moment, he's just like, I don't care about the war. I want to see my parents. I want to be a kid again. Like, yep. I want to play with my fucking toys. I want to st like stop being stressed out about everything. I want to be a warrior. I want to go hang out with my friends and play fucking video games. Yeah. 
But as At he's the end of like doom. <laughs> Want to hang out with my friends? Hood shit. Hood rat shit. <laughs> but as he's approaching his scoop, he notices something that is physically impo- impossible. I almost just said impossible. And like <laughs> I happen to do better things in this, in this recording. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Me feel English. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yay, anyway, dreams. that's where I'm a Viking. Uh, um. Anyway, he sees something physically impossible, which is a large waterfall right behind his scoop in a place that doesn't make sense for a waterfall to be. And that's when he looks up and realizes that this is very much not the correct version of his home world that he was expecting. As he looks up, and there's just this sky jigsawed with pieces from three different planets. Um, yep. And you've got patches of Andalite sky, Earth sky, and a green lightning-filled sky that you can only assume is the Yurkom world. <sighs> Done. Big laugh, fast, rain. There is wind. Nothing sense. Tongues start coming out of the ground. Just accidents. Oh, this must be your home world. He continues wandering this vast, fragmented landscape. Terrible abomination of mixture, an amalgamation of these three worlds but put together so wrong. If he's here, he knows that she must be here. So he searches for parts of Earth, hoping to find He does find her eventually, and they they kind of come to the realization the ship must have splintered, having three people at the control. But it's a short-lived reunion, because from across the pool where he finds Lauren, Mr. 32 finds both. Yep. Mr. 32 is on the Yerk side of this pool, this mixture area, and he's got a creature about three feet tall, 4.5 feet long, mostly dark, dirty yellow, with irregular black spots, red heads. There's two of them, and the the heads are tiny and needle-like. They have four wheels on them. Yep. (laughs) So, uh, I... We had a whole conversation about this. Yeah, behind the scenes, I think these things are goddamn stupid. <laughs> um, because I was sitting there, I'm like, wait, no, I watched a thing about why wheels don't happen in evolution. What, when was that from? It was a Vsauce video from 10 years ago. Um, but I'll keep my uh, off-recording rant short. Uh, wheels don't make sense unless you got roads. Why would evolution give you wheels? Also, how do you keep nutrients going to those? And if they're just dead cells, how do those form? How does that make sense? What makes those better than, than limbs? Anyway. I mean, it's kind of wild because in biology, as far as we understand it, there is a single known example of a freely rotating structure. This being the crystalline style uh, uh, and then it's used for digestion rather than 
propulsion, at least in big macroscopic things. Um, seen in some bivalves and gastropods, like a transparent glycoprotein rod continues to form a cilia lined sac, so like and then and the rod rotates, wrapping it in mucus, and then as it dissolves the stomach, it releases just and microscopically we have two structures one is uh one we're all very familiar with uh the flagellum uh especially of sperm little thing rotate through the water or well say water uh (laughs) the other being a the thing that allows complex uh periodic organisms to actually produce enough energy from their food to do things like a little helicopter so to see these two creatures come out and they got they got fucking firestones on them, I'm a little I'm right I'm, I'm, I'm with this is odd. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, he's standing there menacingly on the other side of the uh, of the pool with these two complete anomalies of life. Uh, yeah. Um, the creatures which he announces are Larix and Jerix because I'm sorry, I'm going to continue being salty because that fucking matters because I'll remember these characters. You're fine. <laughs> I salty, remember when yes. Larix fell. Um, so there's kind of some back and forth between Warren and Visser. And eventually gets to him being like, you know, I I know you're afraid of me. You can't hide it. Uh, Which her response is just absolutely nailing him in the face with a rock. Like full on softball pitch style. Uh, Which amusingly, Elfengor's response is looking upon this action happening and thinking, gosh, surely Andalite scientists would think it's fucking rad how humans can just throw shit. Um, well, and then we are. And then you cut back to Visser 32, who is utterly pissed off that he just got hit in the face with a rock. And as he puts it, how dare you propel rocks at me, human? <laughs> How dare you propel rocks? They don't even have a word for throw or an understanding yeah. of it. Ah. <laughs> uh. uh, so the two pets are sick on Warren and Elfengor and start attacking. These are called Mortrons. Um, at one point, they were considered as potential Yurk hosts, but apparently. The brains are just too small to really accommodate a yerk, so they just got taken home as pets instead for attack purposes. Yep, have your weird attack uh, thing. Oh, but it gets better. They don't just have wheels. Yeah, they get better. (laughs) They transform. No, they don't transform. Well, they do, but not... Uh, We're talking more like... Split into. Yeah, the yellow part with the wheels spins off, and the red portion flies off with leathery wings. 
yeah, the thing sprouts wings and flaps away, but then the wheels have another brain and can do stuff. I cannot help but look at these things and think the only way that this decision could make sense is if these were like designed to be marketed as like toys, but they're also like there's no fucking chance that was part of the assumption with what these things were. Because I'm like, oh, a toy that is like an animal thing with four wheels where it's like, you could roll it and then the top half flies off and glides. Like, ah, oh, that'd be kind of cool and fun, but like, you're not going to do that with Lyrics and Jerics from the Andalite Chronicles who will not be yeah. seen outside of this book. Yeah. God. I'm sorry, I'm on some shit today. You're good, love. Uh, I want my limited edition Laren, Laren, and Jarek's playset, damn it. Did they? Uh, you know, they might have had. I don't think they did. You say that, but they had Animorphs toys at Pizza Hut. I know. I know. I also had, they also had Animorphs Transformers. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. During one of the previous episodes, I shared the picture of the uh, the the Pizza Hut Yerk pool ship toy, a toy that surely all of the kids were clamoring for. Yep, the fucking pool t- the fucking pool ship toy. Yep. Yeah. Mommy, uh, mommy, I want the ship toy that you know helps all the little slugs and slave slave species. Good lord. For kids. Ah. Uh, so, as these things stack, Elfing or you know takes the first uh first thing that comes out of slices in two. He dodges the second, cuts it into two as well. All right, got the got those parts cut in half. But the parts that they cut, he cut in half, suddenly sprout their own wings, become their own bird things. It suddenly. We don't have four yeah. Wartron. Yep. <clears throat> I'm thinking these are a little not, OP. Yeah, because not only can they fucking split in two with that, if they get cut in half, each one becomes a new thing. Which Visser32 maniacally displays his proficiency with multiplying by the number two. Yep, I, I hope you like math. Soon you will have four, and then eight, and then 16, and then 32, and etc. <laughs> really? You might say he really doubled down on it. Ooh. Ah, <laughs> uh, at this point, Lauren says, yo, we gotta run. Uh, we'll hide, we'll figure this. And... Gets her, he helps her onto his back, and they take off. I thought she kind of just leapt on his back. Oh, yeah, leapt on his back. I apologize. <laughs> well, because he was, he was like, Lauren, you can't outrun them, and she's like, I got this. And she just, like, jumps on his back like a horse, and he's like, oh, we're doing this? <laughs> Ride like the wind, Elfangor! <laughs> oh, gosh. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, So they take off to an Earth. Earth section, your broken reality, and they get on a street. You know, and this kind of was a new concept, also for Elfangor. And basically goes, "Oh, streets, cars, damage the grass." 
Yes, that's the only reason we have streets. Sure. And, so let's go with that. And Lauren actually takes this opportunity as they get here to be like, oh yeah, we live in these houses. So he's starting to understand, you know, how a little bit. And, you know, when Elfinger went to his home scoop, nobody was there. But now we're getting to close to Lauren's home. Maybe there will be somewhere. As they get there, he marvels at her front. Blush, free grass, delicious. And as she enters the house, she stops and asks him to hold her hand come into the house with her. Inside, he also now discovers carpet, which he tries to eat. And eat that. And realizes it's gross. <laughs> Lauren calls out to her mother. There's her mom there. Lauren, losing any sense of what has happened, runs to her mother, sobbing, hugging tightly. And mom, you know, comforts her, but then asks, well, who's your friend, honey? As if seeing an Andalite in her living room was the most normal thing in the world. No, you're not allowed to keep the door closed when you have Andalites over. Oh, God. <laughs> He's just a regular Andalite like any old other. What's so weird about him? You think you kids invented Andalites? We had Andalites when I was your age, too. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, the fucking leave the door cracked line kills me. Yeah. I'm like, that's just dialogue we're saying in this book. Okay. You know, so your kids don't bone with their friends. Because <laughs> you're uh, going to do that with your parents' home. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, Lauren goes pale, realizing that this, that this being in front of her is just a creation, a reflection of her mind, not a real person. Elfhanger asks where her room is uh, of the mother, because Lauren takes off running. Runs to her yep. room. So where where's her room? It's upstairs. Leave the door open the door a crack. crack. Like that. Yep. And encounters stairs. Adelites don't like stairs. <laughs> nope. Horse boy don't know how stairs work. They don't yeah. have multi-level homes. I like his observation that like Man, humans must like rectangular things with clean edges. I'm like, I mean, I guess. There was like, a period where we did in <laughs> a lot of design, but, uh. I mean, okay. For instance, we're in a Discord call. All of our screens are rectangle. My screen is a rectangle. This is a rectangle. My table's a rectangle. This keyboard's a rectangle. My, okay. my wallet's One of the mo Okay. One of my monitors is curved, so it's not really a rectangle. It's a bit. <laughs> uh, the picture, the a lot of the things are rounded rectangles. We don't have a whole lot that's just like hard-edged rectangle things. Craig's in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to point it out. <clears throat> Our record the recording bot we're using is named Craig. Yeah. Everybody say hi to Craig. Hi Craig. And he's in a circle. So <laughs> uh, uh so he goes up to her room and uh 
does the Andalite thing of trying to parse all the things in her living space. <laughs> Again, like, I guess Andalite society is kind of completely devoid of, like, textiles. Because his response to anything made of cloth is just that it's covered with artificial skin. Yep. Um, but he remembers her, like, taking a rest and laying out flat. So he kind of figures out, like, oh, this rectangular thing with the artificial skin on it must be where she sleeps. Um, and then he starts going through some other things and, like, kind of get the feeling that, like, you, you get more of a solid feeling that this is really a universe that is only based on the things that they know because he starts going through some of the books that are left out like on her dresser and there's words up to the point where she's read because she just doesn't know the rest of the book so yeah why would there be content for the rest of it but among all of these things that are kind of like only partially realized just because of the nature of how this place was made he does find family photo which he takes uh, because he figures it might be comforting for her if he can take that mm -hmm. to her and give it to her. Um, so with that, he leaves the house, uh, starts to go look for her. It's not all that hard. There's not, there's really not anyone around. And from the distance, he can hear the sound of, uh, he doesn't know this, but we know this. It's the sound of a bat cracking against a softball. Um, for what it's worth, I always imagined it as a metal bat rather than wood. Yeah. I always imagined that sort of hollow ping of a metal bat. Yeah. This is a personal thing. Yeah. So. Of course, pitcher, softball, they have some insane levels of speed force to throw at. A lot of people think, oh, softball, it's not, a, not as crazy as baseball. No, there is. There is some argument made that softball pitchers actually pitch faster. Uh, it's than... just a larger ball in a different motion, so. Got there pinging away. Yeah. Yep. And the, he comes up to her and says, you're upset. What was your first clue? Yeah. Gives her a picture. Reminds her of her, her life. Mom. And they discussed, it looks like the Time Matrix tried to give the, all three of them what they wanted. And together they start to go out to the edge of her world. And it starts to become white. And just nothing. He reaches out towards this, this white ending of the world. And her hand comes back at her. Now, does this... I actually wonder, does this mean like the, like a reflection came back, or does it mean like she stuck her hand out and all of a sudden it came back at her like... Oh, I took it very much as like weird holding bullshit of nah. like put your hand in and just like right above it just comes right back at you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that kind of like freaky weirdo like dimensional bullshit. Yeah, my... Like, my interpretation of it was that we're just on this kind of, like, chunk of land that is floating through zero space mm -hmm. in, in some, like, pocket dimension, and that if you try to leave the border of it, it just kind of spits you back out onto it. Either case, you're going to have to fix 
And so they're gonna they decide they're gonna have to find the time you know time makes gotta be Yeah. And gotta be Lauren, here somewhere. And Lauren agrees. She's determined and she grips her her whacking stick, her bat, yep. and uh ready to do this. So they're kind of tracing along the edge of where the border of this kind of dimension universe thing is. Um, and she's kind of complaining about the fact that, you know, of all the things that she could put in this place just based on her memory, like, you've got schools, but hey, there's no grocery store. Like, yeah. and this is kind of the point where it, it dawned on me, like, oh yeah, the, all this stuff has been happening and it's just like, just a lot of panic and fear and action and also like hey lauren probably hasn't eaten anything in a long time yeah so they see a mcdonald's and she gets really hype over it um but that's kind of immediately ruined by the fact that the poor guy at the mcdonald's that she goes to she's never really she's never really paid attention to his face other than how much acne he's got so, uh, so he's got like yeah, it's bad. Yeah. So the version that gets reconstructed in this universe doesn't even have human facial features. It's just a blank face with like a bunch of really terrible acne on it. It's bad. Um, it's also wild. Nobody else McDonald's because she must go into the McDonald's focused on getting her, her food and sees him and just that's all she sees. So nobody there. Except for the act face. Uh, but despite her discomfort with placing an order, Elfengor kind of reminds her, like, hey, it would be a good idea for you to get food. You should do that. So she yeah, places yeah, an order. Yeah. Uh, gets a Big Mac and a Coke and some fries. and uh, Only $4.19. What a fucking <sighs> deal. Yeah, me just having come back from Wendy's after paying like eleven dollars for my meal. <laughs> me having dropped twenty bucks at fucking Subway earlier. Oh god, yeah, Subway's terrible. Like, yeah, uh, a weird uh, age for a Subway sandwich, though. Yeah, like I tried it the other day because I hadn't had Subway since before the pandemic. So I was like, I'm gonna get a chicken bacon rant. It, it, it tasted like garbage. It was the lowest quality thing I've ever gotten. I'm like, huh. Uh, because maybe I've been yeah. spoiled by better sandwich places, but I'm just like, this wasn't worth the money I paid for it. Me just giving you a thumbs up as you say chicken bacon ranch, because I'm like, oh yeah, one of my favorite sandwiches. So good! Um, I mean, I'll just have to make it at home. Yeah. Also, mood. Uh, that reminds me, I found a recipe for a baked, like, chicken bacon ranch, like, baked chicken thing that I will have to send to you both later because it was delicious. I made it a while ago. Ooh, nice. Very good. Uh, oh, I I did learn though but when you go anyway. when you yeah. go to sub when you go to Subway at least uh -huh. if you're getting an Italian sandwich. I don't know if this is any good on any others, but like, yeah, you're not dealing with the same bread quality. You're not dealing with like the same quality of the deli meat but like at the very least when you're at the end of making the sandwich 
Mm-hmm. Ask them to put oil on it. Ask them to add salt and pepper. It'll mm-hmm. make it like miles better because that's the thing that they don't do by default. Yeah, and it's the thing that makes the the flavors of the sandwich actually linger because that's how you're that's how you're supposed to top off an Italian grinder. <laughs> you're doing like, yourself a disservice if you go to Subway and don't at least do that at the end of the sandwich process. Yeah, like straight up. You know, I think that was my problem because back when I used to get Subway all the time, I would at least get some oregano thrown on their spices, but because that's the flavor in hand. So I will give them another shot, Subway. You're on notice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <clears throat> turkey, bacon, uh, pepperoni with provolone, and then spinach and red onions. That's been, and then mayo. I'm never going to be a skinny woman. I years and years and years and years ago, I was uh, what they like to call a sandwich artist at Subway. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I still recall some of the things that I learned. Uh, nice little trick, though, is that you can, if you're the type of person like me that that likes shit mm. like this, if you want to make like a pizza sub and you want to have some banana peppers on there toasted with everything else. They'll do that for you. Just ask them to put it on. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, enough about Subway. Anyway, back to the <laughs> book that we're that this podcast is about, <laughs> and not Subway. Uh. Besides Sable, when you're here, uh, we need to go to Togo's at least once. Yeah. Because uh, they are drastically better sandwiches than Subway. I'm glad you didn't just say we need to go to Subway because I just I would have been just like why? No, there are better sandwiches places around here than Subway. I live like five minutes away from a Subway, and it's the one I used to work at like a decade ago. <laughs> There's a Subway on the university campus that's like a block and a half from me. Yeah. Welcome to this episode, the Esca Sub site. Esca Sub. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Moo, I please. Everyone here is a bit of a sub. True. True. Uh, yeah. Yeah, stable. I'm, I'm I'm not gonna outright agree to that. I am a <laughs> I am a I am a verse at most. I am very firmly a switch, are you joking? I am very <laughs> firmly a switch. I I have the new topping book. So do I. On, that doesn't mean shit. Night. On my nightstand. I, I haven't Mine read is it. sitting like right behind me, I think. <laughs> Either here or on my desk. I haven't read uh, it, but I am intending on getting around. I haven't finished it yet. Yeah, no, mine's back here. So mine's right behind me somewhere. It's down here somewhere. You know, I kind of... Yeah, it's right here. <laughs> yeah, initially, I was always the bottom, but then I was like, well, I'll, I'll learn how to be a bit of a... a, a you know, I was always a sub, but I was like, I'll learn how to be a little bit of a switch. Out of necessity, you know, I'll top for you, you top for me. But then I found out, oh, I like topic. Yeah, see, uh, and then you let someone find out that you can, that you can top, and then you'll do nothing else. Yep, yep, and that. Yep. God, I love, love everybody, but damn it, the amount of times that that has happened. Yup. Anyway, back children's books about war yeah. <laughs> let me just, and let me, weird tiny bullshit let 
me just sitting here as this conversation's going on, and I'm not in my usual recording spot, so there's just a big-ass mirror to the left of me on the wall. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here as we're talking about who's tops, who's bottoms, who's switches, and I'm just, like, looking over to the left at myself, like, you hearing this shit, Sable? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I love you, dear. I love you, too. Uh, so you a good time when you're here. <laughs> Uh, Lauren gets her Big Mac meal. Got some extra pickles. The only thing they did right in this universe is gave her extra goddamn pickles. Pickles are gross as shit. Are you kidding me? I love pickles. We'll have all your pickles. It's okay, Matt. I'll take your pickles. I'll take your pickles. pickles. I'll take your pickles, dear. I've come for your pickles. I'll walk up to the manager and just be like, Shy didn't want pickles. I'll put them on my burger. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, she eats wonderful food, uh, and as she's munching on the fr- fries, you know, you know. All right, well, she explains what a Big Mac is. That <laughs> finger tries a little bit. It's not pleasant. It's also not pleasant to watch when <laughs> for a species to to their hooves. It's um. Yeah, for someone who uh, doesn't have a mouth. Yeah. Could Although, tell. I mean, to be fair, I, I don't think most folks enjoy watching other people. Going out for food with folks? Great. I love it. Watching someone else eat? Next time you get food with someone, pay attention to their mouth as they eat. It's deeply unsettling. Especially if they chew, like, with their mouth open at all. Oh, it's right. deeply unsettling. Eh, partial agree, partial disagree. As she's munching on her oh, yeah, delicious, yeah. <laughs> her delicious fries made with beef tallow from the seventies. God, old, I mean, this was also like the nineties. Oh yeah, because this was also yeah. So like these would have been hella bad for you, but hella this delicious. Was like, yeah, this was prime. Yeah, this was prime cooking fries and beef fat. And as she eats, she looks up at the sky and realizes the multi-dimensional pattern. A hyperspiral. And at the center of that hyperspiral must be the time. She also at this point starts getting a sugar rush off of the yeah. Coca-Cola. <laughs> Which is hella delicious. Or of that old school Coke. Especially that McDonald's Coke. When I'm... Also, nope. Uh, McDonald's stopped using beef hello in 1990. Ah. So. This was still the good... Because she's from 1970, so this is like still the good shit. Yeah, this is like... Right. This was... Right. This is also set well before then. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they probably still got ashtrays at this McDonald's. Oh, straight up. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Your ashtrays and ashtrays in McDonald's, the fucking play places. They probably still like goddamn ball pits. They had like sculptures in kids' areas that looked like fucking acid trips with faces and shit. Grimace still had four goddamn arms at this point. 
He's a giant fucking taste bud. Taste buds don't need our. Let alone four. If you want an interesting little uh, McDonald's thing to look up, uh, go do yourself a favor and look up the original mascot that they had for the uh, Shamrock Shake. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> and and why that mascot got retired? Yeah. Which, in my opinion, uh, oh. did, nothing, did nothing wrong. I don't think. <laughs> I'm sorry. I gotta read the name. It's uh, Uncle O'Grimacy. Yep. Yeah. Oh my God! Grimaces. It's like a a green grimace wearing just the most stereotypical fucking vest with three leaf clovers all over it. He's a bad leprechaun costume. He's even holding a fucking shillelagh. I forgot he had a goddamn shillelagh. Uh, good lord. I'm sorry. I just, I never knew that. Now I've, I forgot he had a shillelagh. <laughs> oh, you cannot look up things about this without getting some bullshit information. Why? What? What wiki have I stumbled onto? Get me off of it, please. Anyway, <laughs> back to the book. You can see we are all on a it's a fucking night, folks. It's been a day. Just a side note, if you do look up why it was banned, from what I'm seeing, it involves the Troubles. So... Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That sounds about right. Uh, so, realizing they now have a target, this hyperspiral leading to the Elfangor leads the way. A long time ago they were the Andalites lived as free roaming herd animals but then started branching off into small herds then families, then building scoops and they started studying science and nature and eventually started forming some cities but then they didn't like the cities because it wasn't as in touch with how they started so they went back all Scoops, and in Andalite society, families do different things. Like you know, much like we have, oh, the Smith family often historically would related to blacksmiths, or someone from Germany with the name Kellner may have been a waiter. You know, may have had a, a lineage of waiters. Uh, so like, you know, families have a specialty. Your family may be the best at making propulsion devices, or shields or whatever most times the only real structure you get for like a city anymore in modern andalite society are spaceports and you know this uh, i know it kind of came out of nowhere but they kind of discuss how elfing are still getting the idea of human city because cities are a historical fact but now yeah, here he is in this yeah. Modern city, but with a whole different approach. Well, he's in the suburbs. Okay, he's in the burbs, but <laughs> in the middle of goddamn suburbia. I hardly, I wouldn't call the suburbs a city. 
You know, True. if anything, I would say that suburbia is more hellish than any city. You say this, but I actually like genuinely want to go back to living in the suburbs. I miss it. The infinite sprawl of similar looking suburbs? How I grew up, and I actually liked it. Okay, shut up. Sorry. I know. We'll have a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. We'll talk about it later, love. Before we devolve, okay. devolve into socioeconomic discussions about walkable city suburb. suburb. Oh, and distracted again. <laughs> um, Lauren points out, you'd erase my memory if you could. And he realizes that no, he wouldn't. wouldn't be, he wouldn't want to be the only one alive to know the truth and wants someone else to bear witness. But beyond that, he feels this deeply. He doesn't want her to forget him. He says she cares him. They, they're falling for each other. And the they're falling for each other, I almost said. So she hops on and rides him. Hold up. Not, uh, not like that. <laughs> Technically, she's still a child right now. Yeah, I wasn't trying to imply that, but I was like, I was about to say, she hops on and rides. Okay, I should pick better terms. She gets on his back and proceeds to to ride him like he a proceeds, horse. Yes, he proceeds to adventure. Uh, and the, as they get going, um, they cross through a yurk band. Well, a yurk part of the story. And as he does, he closes his box disgusting ground. A little bit later, they see an Andalite patch. And he sees Elfangor's friend. Scared. And they can travel. Because they know that the beings aren't real. They know things aren't really how they seem. So they keep heading towards the center of the hyperspiral. But then something horrifying begins to dawn on them. Elfinger stumbles. And he notices his hooves, hair, nails growing rapidly. He can't easily move with these new hooves and all this hair. Time is accelerating the closer they get center. They have to hurry, but the longer they dwell, the longer they take, the more time that will be impacted upon them. As they come to the whole center of the universe, everything's coming together. Everything, thoughts, layers, all this stuff come together to come center. Even their voices start to sound weird. And you know, they get to a point where they're like literally hacking off parts of Elfinger's hooves to try to keep going, but they're just growing too fast. Lauren's hair is on the ground. Her nails are too long. Yeah. But then they see it. Whirling cyclone at the center. Mate. Hold their hand. Close the eye. Whirl, raw space time. And as they're standing in the middle of it, all of that debris, all of that matter, all, all of those things pulled from these three different worlds, 
that we're spiraling around this vortex kind of just become ethereal, ghostly. They're seeing it from the inside of the center of the vortex, and as, as Lauren remarks, they're, they're basically standing in the eye of the hurricane, which Elfengor doesn't really understand, but it's, it's an apt description for what they're, they're seeing at the moment. Um, but this moment is interrupted pretty quickly uh, by the arrival of Visser 32, who shows up with his pets in tow and is surprised to see that they're both still alive, to be honest. Um, Warren is at a point where her situation with her hair and her nails is just unbearable. I, I don't remember the exact length, but I want to say that her nails might have been like close to a foot long. Yeah, they so, were like out and starting to curl in on themselves because of just how long they were. Yeah, and also just like poking through her shoes. Yep. Uh, which is just terrible. Yeah, so oh, yeah. He, he gives her kind of the same treatment that he did with his hooves Wang. and just... Yeah, gives a quick, yeah. quick rough cut. Um, but we're kind of back to the stalemate where it's, you know, got to use the time matrix to get out of this again. And kind of starts to look like Visser 32 is making empty threats because... You know, he keeps making these threats at both of them, keeps saying that he's going to sick his pets on them, and uh, Lauren calls out the fact that he seems to be afraid to fight Elfangor directly, uh, which checks out because the body he's taken over, uh, Alaran, has seen how good of a tail fighter Elfangor is, and that knowledge has been kind of passed on to Visser 32. Um, that really sets him off, and they get in a fight with Visser and Elfengor going back and forth at each other with their tails, and the Mortrons also swooping in. Ah, um, uh, like one of the more metal things that happens that. While they're while they're you know tail fighting over there, Lauren is fighting off the Mortrons and actually choking one of them, yep. and the other is stuck in her hair, which is wild. So the one's disabled already from being in her hair, but as she's choking the other, her nails her nails are growing yeah into its throat. It's so goddamn metal. Yeah, it's oh. it is some hardcore Nathan explosion. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal. And not only that, but this this dead Mortron that she's got in her hands yeah. that she had strangled the life out of. Uh, like, as Visser 32 and Helfengar are going back and forth with their blades, there's another one swooping in at him that he's, like, a bit too occupied to really do anything about. So he's kind of sitting here like, oh, I'm outnumbered in this moment. I'm probably going to bite the dust right here. And Lauren just fucking softball pitches the dead Mortron that she's got in her hands and knocks the other one out of the sky. Like, giving... locks it from her fingernail. Ugh. Yeah, which th 
thankfully gives Elfinger the chance to just just a hair away from getting hit by it, dodge out of the way of that tail swipe. Yeah. After that dodge, he even notices Lauren over there destroying the one that got stuck in her hair with the baseball bat. He's a bit impressed. Yeah. At this point, though, Visser32 points out that whoever wins, the others go back to their timeline, which is death for Visser32 Lauren. Mr. 32 is realizing he's not going to survive the state, and he retreats. He will fight again someday, but not. Yeah. At this point, Lauren feels like she's suddenly 18, because just aging so rapidly. Yep. She also no, she's of... got to be younger than that, because I swear she makes a comment that it's like, I think my period started. Oh yeah, she had to have been younger started because the I, I wrote down the eighteen because I'm pretty sure Oh yeah, no, she when that. when they're there when, when they're yeah. when they hit the time matrix she's eighteen. Or yeah. she's older than eighteen because she's getting older. Yeah. But like getting to that point with a lot of years, like yeah. Yeah, like she starts her period. She has gotta be like prepubescent at first. Which God. is weird. It gets yeah. weird to think about because they're like super crushing on each other. Yeah, and uh I'm also just really glad that Lauren wasn't like trans mask. You imagine the rapid onset dysphoria from that? Jesus. Oh no. Yeah. Oh gosh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Uh, so what do they do? Where should we go? Back to the Andalites? No, we. Know too much, mutinied against Alaron and left Arbron to live as a taxon. And not only that, but like knowing how things have happened in the past, and like knowing that the Andalites use the quantum virus, yeah. Elfinger doesn't really feel comfortable with the idea of delivering the time matrix because here's another. You're terrible... gonna fucking use it, yeah. Yeah, like here's another terrible weapon that like he doesn't trust them to just hold on to for safekeeping, like. Yeah. There's a good chance that they're going to use it, and at that point, like, it starts to become murky. Like, are the Andalites even the good guys? Like, what morals are we holding on to at that point if we're yeah. willing to use things like this? So he makes the decision: uh, not going to go back to the Andalite homeworld, and it's not like we can have the Time Matrix take us to two separate places. So, uh. He decides to let Lauren take them back to Earth. Because it's really the only option that doesn't put the Time Matrix in hands that could misuse it. And at this point, he cares enough for her that he would rather just start over there with her than try to sort out the mess that would be waiting for him if he went back to his home. Yeah. And... It even is wild because at this point she's like, "Oh, what? I'm, I'm, I've aged. Change. Just imagine yourself to be that age, and then, and that everybody knows that and expects it." She's like, "Why? Who knows? Let's try it." Well, and it's a yeah, weird. Let's figure it out. It's a weird thing because it's like, it's not really going home per se. It's 
fabricating a version of home where like the things that have changed about you are okay, but you're yeah. returning to the point in the timeline where you left. Yeah. So it the whole thing with the time matrix is very like unsettling just in the implications mm. of using it and where it puts you and when it puts you. Yeah, it's 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 all sorts of weird. Yeah. Take control. They were a million light years, and then they were a million light years and one week away. Images flood Elfanger's mind of a planet he never visited, but already knew and cared for. Yep. Three years later. Yep. Time <laughs> skip. Time skip. So, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, of course, we can kind of figure that, like, if he's abandoning the war and, like, no longer taking up arms for the Andalite side, like, you can kind of figure out that Elfinger is going to want to take on a human form. Uh, but we actually get a, a name for this thing that we've already seen Axe do, uh, which we now know is called a Frawless Maneuver, uh, which is where you take multiple sets of human DNA and make them into one morph to kind of be a new person, essentially. So you're not just a carbon copy of somebody else. Um, obviously, him being from Andalite society, things like physics, which he goes to human college for, are kind of rudimentary towards him. And the hardest part about going to college is not pretending like he knows all this already and just kind of going through things like he's just a really gifted guy who happens to get all this and is still graduating at an accelerated pace. Well, oh, we, we can't skip over his name. Oh, I'm not. Okay. Oh, the, yeah. The book actually weirdly like holds off on explaining yeah. that. Like, okay. it, it waits I... until after talking about him graduating through, like, getting through college. Wait, and wait, wait, and his friend Steve and his friend uh, Bill with Windows. Yeah. Yes, Steve and Bill. He, yes, apparently he's friends with Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, despite them being in two very different locations at this point in time. Yeah. What? Microsoft it... is based in Washington State. Apple is based in California, in Cupertino. I don't actually know if they... Hold on. Because I, I think they... They make might... a fucking Windows reference, and I'm pretty sure they make a thing about his friend Steve. Yeah, it actually I... says that uh, he wrote software for human computers in the 1980s, and his human friend Bill um, was there, and he explained what win what Windows are as a computer concept. Yep. And then his human friend, or he explained that to Bill. And then when Steve came over, he explained what oh these are what icons are, and and Steve yeah. really liked the icons idea. Yeah, yeah. He used symbolic icons and a simple pointer rather than a lot of complex language. Yeah. So not so he invented the fucking GUI. I literally wrote her, her, like just laughing, like, oh my god. But yes, Wozniak and Jobs were in Cupertino in fucking Silicon Valley, and Microsoft is in, was in goddamn Redmond, Washington around Seattle. Those are very different places. Although very I like different how... places, Catherine. I, I like how uh, this helped. I have opinions about, about this. I grew up, I went to high school in Cupertino. Yeah. 
This high is actually, jobs and wasn't active. This is actually um, a nice way to kind of explain how in the in the first books that we've read, how when they access the computer, the humans kind of intuitively, oh, yeah, I know what windows are an icon because Standalite's invented them apparently. Because yeah, it's Standalite technology, technically. Goddamn fucking Microsoft Windows. I say with all three of us currently using Windows 10. Damn you, Microsoft. Sorry. <laughs> what the fuck, Sable? That's, I didn't even come up with that. I don't care. What the fuck? <laughs> Today was fucking weird, okay? <laughs> and just, what the shit? <laughs> It... God, this is a fucking <laughs> awful episode. I'm sorry, everybody. No, listeners, sorry, tell, us, listeners this tell us this is the best around. episode. Where we uh, spent half of it on, like, random tangents. Come on, every pony, you could do it. God damn it, no. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. At some point, they encounter Chapman, which is, uh... Suffice to say, weird, considering that they were expecting Chapman to be kind of dead. Uh, crushed into an atom by a black hole? Yeah, so it's like, hey, Chapman, how's your friend Visser32 doing? And he's just like, what are you talking what about? The fuck, yeah, what the fuck are so you talking about? So, it's like, how do we have a Chapman that doesn't remember anything? What fucking force in this universe willed this into existence? And why? Um, and Lauren yeah. had done a pretty good job at this point recreating where she was in her life. Yeah. And so they go through all their all their stuff. Elfangor marries her, fell in love, got married. They had a house. He has a he has a yellow Mustang. Yeah. <laughs> because of course he does. Yeah. So hopefully he develops a taste for the stones. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I hope so. Because part of me wonders, that, like we had this discussion before the podcast really got started, but it was like I, I've been sitting here wondering. I'm like, the Andalites not enjoy human music, or does Alfengor just hate the Rolling Stones? Yeah, does Cause... he just have shit taste? <laughs> um, <sighs> but also on top of him, uh, in addition to him getting married to Lauren, uh, it's worth noting that he did take a human name. His name is yeah. Alan Fangor, which gets because shortened Al- to Al Fangor. Yes. Har har. Very it's subtle. Dumb. It's dumb, but I love it. <laughs> it makes me happy. It's a stupid name. Yeah. Uh, they get the on with their lives. They have a life together. Yeah. Well, one day, Al comes home and Lauren's not there, but there is someone inside. And that person asks Al, What are you doing here? I I live here. This is my home. The being says no. Elfingar Tiranal Shem. This is not your home. What are you? I'm an element. 
Um, wait, does he say an or the? Oh, I actually don't know. I wrote it looking. is an element, but oh, I'm uh, looking. Uh, yeah, because that's what. How does he phrase that? One of those creatures you call element. Ah. Okay. The one of men. Because that that is a thing. Phrasing on that matters. Yeah, I also... I like the little bit of dialogue where after the man addresses him by his full uh andalite name he goes what are you yeah and, at no point does he yeah you don't and, ask who i am you ask yeah. what you're still wise yeah. enough to know that i'm not human I like that little line and the elemist drives it home by saying arbron still lives in the tunnels of the living high you made a universe once with Visser Three and the human. This chills him. Because Visser Three, Visser 32, has apparently gotten a quite high rank. The Elemist explains that yes, he did get a higher rank and is now a terrible enemy to your people. My people are humans now. The Elemist asks, Ben Chapman? And the Elemist, and at this point, the Elemist does explain that he brought him back because he has a role to play. Yep. Alan says, I don't really care about wars in far off places. Really? I think you're safe here. Elfanger, the first Yurk scouts are in orbit now. And then the weight of what this means hits Elf. Yep. Feels like he failed. But he didn't. Save Gallic. And the Elemist points out that he didn't slaughter defenseless prisoners and didn't destroy himself in order to win the battle. But you're meddling with time has caused problems for both of your people. You're not where you where and when you should be. He angrily asks, What do you want? I want nothing. Why are you here? Don't interfere, but we repair what has been shattered. Lauren is supposed to be with a human. You're supposed to be a warrior. A hero, a guy, and meant your brother. In this timeline, he wasn't born, but you should have a brother. Without you, both of your people become your play. The Elemist goes on to explain that they cannot interfere, but can return him where and when he should. There is a battle. Turning point. Mr. Three is there. Elfangor. <laughs> Finger asks, what about Lauren? Mr. Three remembers her. 
make her pay. Hellfinger yeah. cried. Let's save Earth? Let's save the Andalites? By no, not by itself, but what is impossible now will become possible again. Lauren will never know you existed, but you will know. Will have her memory. This is some intense shit. Like, yeah, yeah. Remember children's books. Yeah. Like, oh. it's like that episode of Next Gen, Gen, of like in the blink of an eye or whatever, where Picard lives an entire life at the end of a civilization, like, and then has to go on with living his life. Elfangor had a life with Lauren. Yeah. And now he'll be the only one to know that. Remember, Lauren is pregnant. Yeah. Well, I mean, he that, finds out about that yes, just after Elemist, he agrees to yeah. go with the Elemist. Yeah. That's why she's not at home. That's why she went to go see the doctor. And uh, we'll find out who that kid is. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. exciting! <laughs> I mean, if you... Yeah. Know anything about the Animorphs books? The description that you get, like within the next couple pages from that, kind of gives it away. A bit. I mean, uh, there is a whole book that revolves around quite literally Elfangor leaving a will for for said child. Oh shit! Yeah, that's gonna be intense. It's a thing. It's a it's a weird book. It's great. Yeah. That one was good. So, as he's leaving with Alamist, he's kind of experiencing <laughs> that same just expanded view of timelines and reality and different places and different different beings that he was before when he initially activated the Time Matrix. Um. And he's seeing all these different intersections of beings and their relationships with each other. Uh, and this is the point at which he sees a new line uh, stretching out from the intersection where him and Lauren join together. Uh, and yep. this, is the, this is the part during which uh, the Elmist reveals to him, you have Lauren a son. Break. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which is a shock, and sadly, he's already committed to going with Elmist and, and going back to help fight the Andalites, but you can tell that he's really distraught at the fact that he only just learned that he had a son after agreeing to leave. It, it's a son he's never... doesn't think he's going to ever meet initially, because he's getting taken away now. Um, but he gets a vision of his son's line converging with his brothers and four other bright lights heading off to the horizon. And these are going to be the forces 
that will stand up to Visser 3 and stop him. <laughs> this is the whole thing that yep. Elmus is trying to preserve by undoing the meddling that's already happened with the timeline. Yeah, by undoing uh, all the shit. And... See how... Oh, bud. Oh. Well, go ahead, John. I, I... Oh, I, I was going to say, um, Elfangor, much like the whole concept of a 3D picking up a 2D and bringing them to the has been picked up by this extra dimensional being and now sees all this and now sees those lines interacting, sees his son being important. And Elfangor, in pain and sarcasm, asks, What about interference? Is this all just a Yes. But yeah. there is another older than us in playing a dart. So we hope that we win. That's kind of. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a whole deal. Yeah. That is for Tally to know and for us to find out later. God. Yeah. So yeah, it's a whole thing. So Alan closes his eyes. Elfangar opens his on the in his body on the bridge of an Andalite fire. And his head fills with chaos, with voices surging in. They are dying Andalites. He looks down at his display, sees the Star Sword, their ship, their dome ship. Surrounded by bugfires, the ship that sent them out of all of this. He hears the self destruct order. Yep. The blade shift, though, swoops in and cuts off in because overloading the engine. You know, one of your easy peasy ways to destroy a ship. Yep. And Elfinger is the last fight. Back. He broadcasts in the clear, calling out the viscer. He knows Mr. 3. Tells them that here to finish started long ago. They talk. Elfangar aims the ship and prepares to go maximum burn. Pulling a Oh crap, I can't remember what ep- what that ep- that Star Wars movie was called. Oh uh, are you, you're referring to the, the Holdo maneuver? Yeah, the holdo maneuver, yes. Yeah. Well, it's a holdo maneuver. Mm-hmm. There's planning on it. And blast right through the blade. And it breaks off of the star. Elfinger should have died. But he... Minutes after crippling the blade ship, and a light dome ship hail strike comes out of space. Change clothes. Cool ship, put a contain, put you know, put containment fields up, and when to make when to get the hell out of there because now with two 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 dome ships here, the pool ships outnumbered and could get so they're starting to make zero. Elfengor passes out, but awakened on the stars already. Yeah, they promote him to warrior specifically. 
He'll make prints in a couple of years. Yep. <laughs> um, earlier, the captain kind of questioned how Alfangor was even there, and he kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, it's a long story, and now that the battle is over for the moment, he gets to tell the captain this story. Um, which goes over better than he was expecting. The captain says, you know, obviously yeah. the details of this are never going to go public. People are never going to know what you did in this regard. Um, but Elfinger doesn't get <laughs> get punished for going against Alaran because I mean, he's a disgraced war prince, and it, it's well mm -hmm. known why he is considered disgraced. And from the captain's perspective, Elfengar was holding up the ideals that a younger Alaran would have abided by prior to his fall from grace and his decision to just absolutely abandon his morals as an Andalite warrior. So, not only is he not going to get punished for what he thought was a big transgression against his superior officer, um, but they are relying on him to continue in the fight as a warrior now. You also get the captain came up <laughs> through the rank Arthas Ar Ar as a cadet in Arith. Arith. That word we all hate. <sighs> My fat cow tongue can't hit it. S-T-H. It's terrible. It's a bad word. But the captain already knew about the darkness of Alaran and knew it, so he understood and this is why Yeah. They now have a new new warrior in the fight. And they go on to continue the war. Yeah. And the war rages on for years. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Um eventually they do find out that the Yurks have started to make a move to invade the Earth. Yep. Um, so they come back to the Earth and find themselves immediately outnumbered. The dome ship Galaxy Tree starts breaking apart in the conflict, um, leaving our good boy Axe to plunge into the sea where we found him before. Um... And this is the point at which Elfengor kind of goes against his vow and decides to go down to the planet and search for the time matrix that he had previously buried in what was at the time just a peaceful forest and is now, big shocker, a construction site where everything right. began. An abandoned construction site. And it was not going to be something where he just hit it out. Dying. Yep. Yeah. Visser 3 was coming. But this is where we tie back into the events of everything that happened at the start. This is where he meets the five human children. <laughs> and this is kind of the explanation as to why he specifically pulled Tobias off to the side to talk to him. Because we... He didn't pull Tobias. Tobias just stayed. Well, right. Tobias right. just stayed with him. Right. That's right. Sorry, that's just worth pointing out. No, it's okay. That was misspoke on my part. 
Uh, this is where we get the actual confirmation. He realizes that his son is there. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Bird boy. Oh my god. Yep. Yeah. And that's this kind of explains why a random warrior prince gives five random kid. Well, yeah, five random kids the power to morph. So this yeah, that's a that's a real desperate pass. Yeah. He but got, this makes sense. He got the foresight yep. from the Elemist that they were going to be crucial to defeating Visser Three, and these individuals that he had only seen as these bright, hopeful beams of light before are just standing in front of him. These wide-eyed kids who saw a UFO and are freaking out about it. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and it's wild, because not only the future, but after meeting Lauren and Chap. Yeah. So, Andalite Chronicles draw to a close. The last lines that I, Elfinger, Cyrenal Shem, transmits last thoughts and memories sent space ending life. I Hirak the less done go in my death. I leave one single word for all free of the galaxy. Oh. And there it ends. Yep. Wow. The This book is so much more than I thought it was going to be when I first started reading it. Yeah. Like I, I had known going in that this was going to be kind of a prequel and explain, you know, who the Andalites, you know, all that little details, who Elfangor was and all that. But I was not expecting the how hard this would hit, particularly uh, part three. You know, an alien dies. Wow. Yeah. Like it's got the usual Animorphs level of holy shit, like. This is for kids, but then they cranked it to eleven when they hit part three. Yup. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's heavy. It's what? It's fucked. I suffice to say, I'm excited to learn more about the elemists and what they're dealing with. Yeah. Um, but also, it's just it's it's neat to see what exactly led up to the start of this series and just how many things were already in motion before we even like started with book one. Mm-hmm. So, I really... In- oh. I got a question. Sure. Can I drop one word that is a... that will make you fucking shit yourself? Uh, that is a little bit of a late of a late series spoiler for the Elemist. You can say it. I hope I don't shit myself. <laughs> Gamer. I'm just gonna leave it at that. The look on your face. The look on your face is just. 
Yeah. When you said I would shit my pants, I was hoping it was over something cool. <laughs> nope. Uh, Wait. Can I get Elemis bath bath water? Right. <laughs> Gamer yeah. Elemis bath water. God Gamer. damn it. Gamers rise up. Uh, oh uh, my god. Gamer. <laughs> oh. That's all I'm saying. Uh, okay. we'll, you'll find out when we get to the end of the series and do the Elemis Chronicles. Okay. Yeah. Well, or Elemis. No. Yeah. Elemis Chronicles. There, there's a good chance I will forget the detail gamer uh, after we yeah, go through fair. after we go through Megamorphs and my brain has to process all of that. So I'm getting. Oh, I'm don't getting... worry. Wait when we uh, all of the shit with the Sario rip, uh, which I. Cannot help but misread as the Sanrio riff and just think of everything as goddamn Hello Kitty. Uh, when we get through that, uh, there's the whole bit where Tobias kills Hitler. Yep. Let's kill Hitler. Like straight up. Uh, they are in a separate timeline where Hitler didn't do anything bad. Hitler is not in charge of the Third Reich. He is a driver in German-occupied France, and they show up on his car. Um, <clears throat> Tobias recognizes who he is and goes to kill him. Cassie stops him and is like, you can't just kill this dude. Do you know who this is? This is Hitler. I, I don't care. You kill Hitler. I should also point out that, like, despite it being a timeline where Hitler was not leading the Third Reich, uh, the he the was idea still a Nazi, the idea of him not doing anything wrong is laughable because his anti-Semitism goes back long before, yes. Yes. long before that. Yes, like, yes, he was not literally leading the Nazis, but he was also still. Uh, a a, a deeply problematic and horrible, horrible person. Who? Oh yes. Did paintings that were not exceptional enough to get him the life that he wanted. No, but but uh, given the paintings, he probably could have been a halfway decent architect. Yeah. Although that doesn't excuse anything. Nope, it doesn't. The one that, the one thing that I got from that on a side note. About when you said gamer, mm -hmm. yeah. I got big reboots. You, you know what I I'm never talking? watched reboot. You are I, you shitting me? You tech witch bitch! You did not see. Uh, second, is that what I'm thinking? It was. Isn't that a Canadian thing? Like I'm, I'm not. Yeah, like, the the I'm cartoon. Not I'm not dissing on it, but I'm like. <gasps> yeah, the CG cartoon from the '90s. Yeah, it was like on. Yeah, it was Cartoon Canadian. Network. Oh, what's... this was not Cartoon Network. I watched the shit out. I don't know. It originally aired on YTV. Uh... See, I know about this because I'm like a Castle Super Beast fan, and Wooly's whole like like fifty percent of his personality. Not to riff on him, but I feel like is slightly reboot. Uh... But they're also Canadian, so like that's why I know about it. I never See, saw it. Reboot's mm -hmm. awesome because it's the point of view it of a it was on ABC. Ah. The reboot was very much um, characters inside of a computer environment who then, when the users would want to play a game, a city block-sized, like, wrecked, like, yeah. huge 
would fall onto the earth. Every one of the beings inside and see or the you know, of the game. So it very much got the elements are kind of like, yeah. Okay, yeah. here we go. It aired in the U.S. in '94 on ABC. It was canceled on ABC after the Di- Walt Disney Company bought it in '96. Bought ABC in '96. Um. Uh. Then, uh, in '99, the the third season started airing on Cartoon Network on repeats until '01. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I I absolutely would have been like too young to follow what was going on early. Like, I'll be real, probably also, because uh, hey, Jim, Sable and I were both born '94. I would like to remind you. Yeah, uh, I'm old. The uh, you're hardly old. I know, but god damn. The gap in my life that would have other otherwise been <laughs> occupied by reboot was instead inhabited by the uh, the nineteen eighties Tron movie and the cartoon series Cyber Chase. I did watch a little bit of Cyber Chase. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, eighties Tron, like the OG Tron. Yeah, uh, very much there. Um, uh, I. I don't know, a lot of my, like, a lot of my, like, deep love for, like, sci-fi, especially, like, modern sci-fi like that, didn't start until high school. That, okay. Yeah, sure, I read iRobot in middle school and loved it. Right. Um, but, like, Neuromancer, Snow Crash, Blade Runner, all the Philip K. Dick, like none of that started until high school. So like oh eight to or yeah oh eight to oh twelve or oh eight to twelve. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of the reason I brought it up is very much lately they don't the users never are portrayed to actually know or interact compared to them. They're they're here. You only see the user terms of what they do to the world below them mm-hmm. and so i was like wait when you say gamer i'm just like are they literally playing games and this is to them just like end of men in black where they were playing marbles with the galaxy like it's just a game it's literally has no stakes to them um, i i'll i'll say this i i hear the phrase gamer thrown around in this context and like it's not lost on me that the Elemist described this other force as playing a dark game. So kind of gives me some notions about what might be going on there, but we'll we'll figure that out when we get there. It could be like um those aliens um that species from uh Deep Space Nine who is so obsessed with gaming, there's that whole episode where Quark thinks he exits trapped everybody in the game they were gonna die and at the mm-hmm. end like oh, it's just a game but they're so obsessed with it they don't care about mm-hmm. like that shit so it makes me wonder i guess though dear listeners we'll all have to find out together yeah yes yes anyway 
So that was uh, us finishing uh, the Andalite Chronicles, which uh, wow, we got off on some bullshit. Yeah. God, I'm gonna. Do I trim any of this out, or do I just keep all of our bullshit in? Just trim out the stuff at the beginning, where well, we were yeah. starting with the episode. Well, yes, before the episode gets cut, but, like, all of our, like, mid-episode bullshit, do I just cut that? Ah, keep it, I mean, Christ. well, we, our bullshit is quality, 100% grade-A bullshit. Jesus Christ, Lou. Uh, <laughs> well... Uh, now that we finished I Like Chronicles, I guess the only thing left to say uh, is that I've been uh, Gemstone. Uh, Dr. Gem, you can find me online uh, on Twitter at heel underscore doc. Uh, this week, I am going to shout out um, to the Wisconsin Supreme Court election, uh, actually giving us hope for uh, a return of democracy uh, in Wisconsin hopefully ending gerrymandering and protecting the right uh, for a woman to shoot uh, or, or a pregnant person to shoot, uh, whether or not to have an abortion. So shout out to Wisconsin. Really came out here. Good good job. Fuck yeah. If only that was the case in other states. Uh, well. Yeah. I, yeah have been, no, I have been relieved to hear some other states announcing themselves as uh, well, I, I did hear recently that I think it was New Jersey. Yep, New Jersey news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a, as a trans asylum. Yep, New Jersey's doing some good shit. Uh, uh, but then also, safe. Thank God yeah, but then a <laughs> friend of ours has been a uh, panicking hard of North Carolina. Yeah. Um, I'm Natalie, your friendly resident dragon. Uh. You can find me on uh, the internet, on Twitter, on the, the burning embers of the trash fire that is Twitter, uh, with at Chopin underscore 42. C-H-O-P-I-N underscore 42. Uh, and I guess... Uh, how the fuck do I plug this week? Uh... Girl Scout cookies. Got a half a box of Thin Mint sitting on my desk. Uh, support your local Girl Scouts. Buy cookies when they're selling them. Uh, the Girl Scouts are cool. Boy Scouts, not so much. Yeah. Uh, as someone who was a Boy Scout for, for a brief period of time. Oh, gosh. I'm so uh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, that was a thing. But yeah, Girl Scouts cool. Uh, they rule. Buy Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. Because they're delicious. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah. I have been Sable. Pretty much consistently am. Uh, gosh, what do I want to plug? Uh, I've been very head empty, no thoughts all week. Uh, but I guess I'll I guess I'll do album recommendations. I got a couple Single of fly. them. Um, so first album I'm going to recommend is called Famously Alive by Gorilla Toss. Uh, very good. I don't know how to... Noise pop, I guess, kind of. A little bit avant-garde, a little bit of experimental. 
very fun album. Uh, and then another one, because I've been watching My Little Pony lately, uh, album called Queen of Misfits by Violet Pony. Uh, if you like Porter Robinson and R Trans, there's a good chance that this album might have some things for you. Uh, so highly recommend checking it out, as well as Violet Pony's other work. Um, you can find me on Twitter being angry about the presence of a Doge icon in the corner to date this episode uh, at at Storm Queen, Storm Queen Sable. Uh, or you can find me on uh, Tumblr, where we're not dealing with the trash fire, uh, at Static Sable. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you yeah. next time. Remember, uh, what's our next book? It's book going six, to right? be yeah, book six. The capture. Okay, is that book six? Yes. Cool. Capture. It's gonna be a good time. Uh, Remember. Oh God, is this the one? Where they, this is the spider one on the cover, right? A mosquito. Mosquito. Okay, not the one I was. Mosquito or fly? I can't really tell from the book cover, but okay, yeah. so we don't get Eric yet. Okay, it's it's a it's a fun image, and I. Look yeah. forward to talking about that book and reading it. So okay, so we don't have Eric yet. Cool. Yeah. Have a wonderful we'll time. We'll Good. we'll see you next time. And remember, it's not worth winning. Lose yourself. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.